From the blue-green waters of Claytor Lake to the hiking trails of the NRV, AM HodgePodge is on the air. Here are your hosts, Keith Weldons and Mark Tapp. All right, New River Valley, this is Mark Tapp. I'm here with Nick Brown, and uh, he's standing in for Keith. Keith is in Costa Rica this weekend, and uh, I'm sure we're going to get some interesting stories from Keith when he gets back in the studio for next week's show. Um, we've got uh, uh, Dan McKinley in, in, McKinney in the show uh, in the station here today from the Radford Chamber. And uh, Dan, it's great to have you here. Every time we do have you here, we generally have one of these fine vintage uh, Bigfoot barley wines. Glad I, <clears throat> glad I could provide some, yeah, um, tasty beverages for the for the show. Now this is the last one that I have in the fridge, but I think you have a few left. We right? still have we still have several. Okay, in my fridge, so. it was a twelve pack, right? <clears throat> Yes. All right. Sorry, I get you all choked up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I need to drink more. <laughs> That's right. Now, you haven't tried this yet today, right? Not yet today. All right. And, Nick, you haven't tried it yet. I haven't. Okay. Which, which uh, year vintage? This, so this is a 2017, and we've got another guest in the studio. We'll give him a formal introduction in, a, in the next segment, um, but for now, you'll just know him as Michael. And uh, um, so, Michael, this is probably new to you, but uh, Dan – heard one of our shows we were talking about the bigfoot barley wine um and and we couldn't find the one that we wanted uh and so dan went out and found it for us and so this is a 12 pack that has different vintages so barley wines if you don't know it's a very high alcohol um robust uh beer style very malty but it has a little bit of hop hoppiness to it as well um they tend to be high single digit even up into the you can get up to 15 to 18 percent they they can get up there yeah so they can get up there and because of that high alcohol uh beer style they can age uh and so the the idea of this is um sierra nevada has kept uh, uh a number of the vintages and stored them and then they they released them. I don't know what was. I think twenty was it twenty eleven was the earliest maybe. Yes. So yeah. it was twenty eleven through twenty. Um, I don't think it was twenty twenty even. Uh, twenty eighteen maybe. Yeah. Um, and so we're drinking the twenty seventeen, which I guess by their you know by by the standards of the twelve pack we're get, getting to the new ones. Right. <laughs> um, and so we've been kind of comparing these with each other it's kind of hard because it's a month between drinks uh but you know some of them are fairly memorable and i think did we agree that 2012 was the best one so far yeah the 2011 2012 were were excellent yeah and sometimes they're a little bit on the hot side uh and sometimes they're pretty smooth 
So Nick, uh, Nick's a young guy. He is legal. I am of age. Yeah, but he's a young guy. So I, I, you've never tried barley wine, have you? I have not. Okay, so I asked him not to drink it before, and we're all sharing one beer, so nobody's drinking too much here. But uh, <laughs> but I did want you to try it on air and kind of get get a sense as all to right. what you think. What do you think? I like that. That's that smooth. Was, yeah, that's really smooth. Dan, why don't you give give yours a try? That's that is a that's one of the better ones, I think. It's just he's right. It's smooth. Yeah, that and one's really just, smooth. It's not hot at all. No. Now we've a couple of them were pretty yeah. hot. Yeah. Um, I think the you know when Sierra Nevada brews these the um, the recipe standards are all going to be the same. Um, so from one year to the next, they're using the same ingredients, uh, the same hops, uh, the same uh, what they call a mash bill. Uh, so, so they're going to have the same number of the same weight of, uh, of grains. Um, but because of the just different nuances, and no different than wine. It could right. be or different growing matter, conditions. Bourbon or anything yeah. else. I mean, wheat could be wheat yep. change from year to year. Yep. Now this does have a little bit of a a bitter aftertaste it to does it on the on the tail end. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. What do you think, Nick? I think it's good all around. Okay, so you, you would do a barley wine again? I mean, I'm a big fan of porters, so all right. I yeah. like yeah, this I like getting, stronger side stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it is a different. It's different than a porter. It's probably yeah. not as sweet as no, a porter. Not at all. Um, and and it's definitely not as bitter on the front end as an IPA. Right. Uh, but it does have that IPA aftertaste, uh, <laughs> yes. you, right? Yep. You agree with yep. me? All right. So, Nick, uh, glad glad you're here on the show. Um, now, I don't know that I've ever heard you on the radio. Well, that's a darn shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I feel bad because Nathan Nathan Sparks, we did a uh, Virginia Tech basketball pregame show uh-huh. back in February. And it's that McAdoo's, and he asked me, on air, are you 21? I said, mm, not yet, about give me a week. <laughs> and he said, well, come back in a week, on, and, and I'll have you know your first beer on air. Yeah. So now I'm, I feel like I'm cheating on him because I'm having my oh, first, be- is, this this my first, first beer on air. Oh, well. And it's not with Nathan. You, I know he's in here, but I, I feel bad. You so. snooze, you lose, Nathan. Yeah, it's it's his fault. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I'm maybe proud to, to, to hold that <laughs> yeah, moniker. You get to, yeah, you get to hold that now. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so. Timothy and I, when we do Radford football, we we don't drink. Yeah, we don't. No, we don't do that. Yeah. So now, t- <laughs> now tell everybody. I'm, I'm sure maybe maybe our listeners have heard you before, but for those uh, uh, listeners that only tune in to AM Hodgepodge, uh, <laughs> why don't you kind of give everybody an idea who you are and why they might have heard you before? Yeah. So I went to Rafford High School, graduated there, and well, I didn't graduate 2020. Uh, so we didn't have a graduation. I promise I got through high school, but I just didn't walk. You, you, yeah, you it, got, yeah, I got the certificate. I, brought, I have it. It's in my room. <laughs> but uh, And then after that, Kleppen and Rick, uh, Richie Davis gave up the reins for calling Radford High School football. They've been doing it. I think they did it for about 11 years at, the, yeah. at that time or whatever. Did a while. Great job. Uh, awesome crew. They were fun uh, to listen to back in the day. And so then they handed me the keys and – uh, here in the office, Jamie Forrest told me, pick whoever you want for your color commentator. And I didn't think of anybody better than Timothy Wurls. That man is a Wikipedia for yeah. Radford High School sports knowledge. And 
uh, played football, basketball, baseball there, and so I thought that was a perfect choice. So we've been doing it. We're upcoming on our fourth year this year. Yeah. And so uh, we're really excited. We love doing it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, just going around. I feel weird going back to the high school because I see, you know, well, not not as much anymore, but at two years or three years after I graduated, you know, the freshmen when I was a senior in high school were like, oh, he can't get away from the high school, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. nope, I'm here to work. I'm here to work. And it's just fun going back to the uh, the alma mater and, and calling football games. And Now, you didn't play football, did you? Oh, heck no. I played yeah. golf. So, <laughs> so how did you – because if I were to go and, and uh, call football, it would not go well. So how did you um, make that transition? Were you just a football fan oh, I, to yeah. the extent that you knew the game really well? So both my parents graduated from Virginia Tech, and I guess we don't go to the beach. We don't. We go on uh, you know vacations every now and then. But our big thing is going to Tech football games. We've had season tickets ever since I was born. Yeah, I think I've done the math, and I've missed six or seven total home games. Since I was born in 2002, really. So it's it's been I've I've been almost all of it, and I've made up with that with away games. So I've just grown up around <laughs> football, love football, uh, any sport, basketball, baseball, everything. So football, I, I just had the knowledge, and then also, I mean, I I can't really I couldn't tell you hardcore X's and O's, and that's why I have Timothy who yeah. played the game yeah. and and he knows the game. He's partly a coach there for a little bit, um, so he knows it more and he can talk more in depth. But doing play by play duties. It's uh, that's my job, and I I really enjoy it. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us and yeah. and providing some color commentary for yeah. <laughs> for golf later in the show. Oh yes, I can do that. So I'm gonna uh, this next segment, Nick. I, have you ever listened to Have you ever listened to Am Hodgepodge? Uh, a few times. Okay. Do you know the ball over beer segment? I mean, yeah, have you, you heard guys, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe we've talked about it in the office. You guys talked about it a lot. Yeah. This is Keith's creation, so I, I usually just let him roll with it. <laughs> but today, I thought we would do a little bit ball over beer, focusing on golf. Sounds good to me. I don't know if I can keep it within the three minutes because I'm I'm going to drop a lot of knowledge on you. I think so. Uh, um, Michael is here to talk golf in the next segment, and we'll introduce him uh, formally. But um, I do have some Pete Dye information. So I, uh, let's just start out and ask the question Do any of you here know how many family members in the Pete Dye lineage design golf courses? Design? Yeah. So the, you're, you're so, so the river course, <laughs> so the river course here is designed by Pete Dye. Yeah, and he hates right? he hates golfers. Uh, Pete Dye, yeah. My, yeah my he likes is, to punish golf. Yeah, my theory is he played golf once, hated it, <laughs> and he said, "You know what? I'm never gonna let people have fun on the golf course again." All right, so I'm gonna address that first. He he did play golf. Oh, I, yeah, I know. He never played <laughs> as a professional. Um, he was a, a very good amateur golfer. Oh, that's um, yeah, and uh, he actually, um, we're gonna. I'm gonna tell you here uh, what his when he last played. So he, uh, I'll get to that here in a minute. But he he um, nearly qualified. See, it's harder when the, the music's playing to, to <laughs> pause and find the information. Uh, yeah, here we go. So um, he qualified the U- for the U.S. Open in 1957 at the Inverness Club in Toledo, Ohio. 
He shot a 152, so that was plus 12. All right, none of that stuff makes any sense to me. I don't know any of it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Arnold Palmer, right? Arnold Palmer uh, also shot 152. They didn't make the cut. Um, but the then 17-year-old amateur Jack Nicholas was eight strokes behind them. That he kind of puts it into perspective. He was a good golfer, yeah, well, he was, right? Yeah. Heck of a golfer. Just not, he, he must not have wanted to pursue a professional career in golf. But going back to my original question, how many uh, family members are designing golf courses, it's four. So his father designed the course that Pete learned how to play golf on. Uh, his father's name was Paul, and they were he was known as Pink. So now I think that's probably a play on Pink Dye, right? I don't know whether he <laughs> washed a red pair of underwear with his socks or what happened, but his name was uh, known as Pink. Um, Pete's wife, I believe her name was Alice, uh, yeah, Alice also designed golf courses, and the two of them designed a number of courses together. Uh, and then PB, uh, which is their son, one of two, he currently designs golf courses, and they co-designed several courses t- uh, together. Now, this I thought was one of the one of the most fascinating parts, not really of Pete. Uh, Pete's life, but of his wife, Alice. Um, so are either one of you familiar with Alice Dye? Yeah. Okay. Are you? Bit. All right. So can you can you tell me maybe her most significant contribution to the game of golf? Oh, oh uh, she uh, convinced them for, uh, I think it had to do with tee boxes. Okay. You're, you're getting warm. And it was for lady tees. Yeah. She's the one that... Yeah. D- that came up with the idea that we would shorten the the course for women. So the the ladies' tees are a result of Alice Dye. Did you know that? I, I didn't. Well, I had, you kind of knew. I had it. to you write had a, a feeling. About I had to write a historical <laughs> paper back freshman year of college uh, on the river course, and so I talked about it. And she actually visited the river course when it was uh, being redone. Is that right? Uh, she visited it more than Pete did. He only came back like twice. She came back almost. Every weekend, really? yeah, yeah. So as she she's was she passed away uh, just a little bit ago. She was ninety one when she passed away, um, but she was known as the first lady of golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now Pete Dye, I, I I couldn't tell you how many courses he's designed, um, but it's staggering the number of courses he's designed, um, and the number. It's also staggering not just the number of courses he's designed, but the number of designers that have. Uh, been tutored by him, so he's got his hands on virtually every golf course in the in in America, and he also designed numer- numerous courses outside of America. Um, can you tell me maybe some of the things, some of the characteristics of the course that he's best known for, other than it's just really, really, really hard. You, you take this one, Michael. <laughs> You're the, you know better. Um, well, yeah, so he's, um, you know, the, the, the greens that he builds, you know, they're not uh, overly tricked out, you know, with lots of uh, undulations and slopes, uh-huh. but they're raised. Yeah. Right? And that's what gives it the character so that you're uh, hitting to these elevated greens uh, or runoff areas outside the greens. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if, if you're missing, <laughs> yeah. you don't have an easy up and down. You know, you play the river course. You, after you play a couple holes, you're like, you know, it's not too bad off the tee. It, it looks tighter than what it is. 
but like the devil is in you know hitting the green in regulation and if you miss it's like yeah, any other same. course like man I, I missed like by i'm 10 feet off the green well you might have a straight forward up and down but now all of a sudden you've got like a seven foot swale you need to pitch up to and you're in a tight <laughs> tight lie and uh, the other day i was in one of those positions i'm like you know what i need to take my three wood out and do like a putt with my three wood to get it up the hill and it didn't work out very well um <laughs> It's been a long time since I've tried something like that. So, uh, but it was better than the alternative of trying to like a flop shot and you know blading it uh, seventy yards over the green. So, yeah. Uh, but I would say you know for for his characteristics and there's always a very subtle lie around the golf course. You know, you never have that truly perfectly flat. Even the fairway, there's a little mound and there's a little ridge. He just has that uh, that eye to shape things. And uh, a fun story that I've heard over at the River Course, uh, number eighteen, you know, has the river going down the right hand side. And that um, whomever was supposed to be um, uh, shaving and contouring the right side, the right side was supposed to be lifted so that the bank was supposed to be higher. So if somebody hit a ball to the right, it would kick back to the fairway. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had a dyslexic yeah. moment because it's actually the opposite way. So if you have, you know, if you hit one to the right, it's taking that hard hop into the river. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. yeah you, you all say up and down. I'm up, 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 up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so he is uh he's famous for his use of scottish pot bunkers yeah uh he he's also famous for um using railroad ties mm-hmm. um in his bulkheads um and uh, then going back to the greens he, smaller greens um he's actually him and his wife co-designed um it is it is called the world's most terrifying tee shot <laughs> It's the par three, 17th hole of the stadium course at Sawgrass, which I believe is you, you, the island, the island, the island green. Yeah, yeah. The island green. <laughs> so, um, so, so did you learn anything, Nick, today about golf uh, and, and Pete Dye? A little bit. I didn't know the railroad ties were his thing. I thought that was just the aesthetic yeah, of yeah. the river course. He, he actually <laughs> went to Scotland and did some golfing there, obviously, and, and that was one of the things he brought back with him. But if you ever see the railroad ties in in a golf course, you know that that was that was sort of either it was influenced, it was an influence he imparted on a golf course designer, or he designed the course himself. So uh, I'm going to stop teaching you now, <laughs> and uh, and then we'll go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk not necessarily Pete Dye stuff, but we're going to talk golf course stuff. All right, so everybody stick with us. You're listening to AM Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. 